Welcome back to Mid Bay News Update. I'm your host, Christopher Saul. Thrilled to be with you on this beautiful Wednesday morning in the home of the Boggy Bayou Mullet Festival. Well, at least it used to be before it was canceled, but that could all change if two concert promoters have their way. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. Also on the show, an update on the plan to finally build out a charming downtown for the city. The school board will try and get more than $8 million bucks worth of BP oil spill money to build a North End Technical College campus. Impact 100 names its finalists, and Niceville football gets a big old win. Then we'll talk to Northwest Florida State College basketball coach Steve DeMeo about this year's team topping a national championship finale from last year, this year's play style, and who's the biggest ladies man on this year's squad. Stick with us. It's going to be a great show. Midbay News Update is brought to you by the Deer app. Looking for an excuse to get rid of those old birthday cards but don't want the guilt that comes with it? Check out Deer in the App Store. Deer allows you to digitally store your cards so that you keep the memories, but not the paper. Check out the link in the show notes for more. Matt McKinnon and Mark Wagner are considering reviving the Boggy Bayou Mullet Festival, which ended a couple years ago after a 40-plus year run. While the festival hasn't been held for the last four years, a recent poll Mid-Bay News took shows that more than two-thirds of respondents are interested in its return. The festival was traditionally held in October and had significant presence in the city. Heck, the city's official tagline is still the home of the Boggy Bayou Mullet Festival. McKinnon and Wagner intended to discuss the festival's potential return at a recent Niceville City Council meeting, but didn't seek approval as two council members were absent. Mayor Henkel warned them that the festival was polarizing, and if a motion to approve was made and anyone opposed, it might be rejected. During the meeting, Councilman Sal Najimian expressed his concerns about the proposal's financials. He wanted a clear plan for how the city could benefit and questioned the lack of specifics in the document presented by McKinnon and Wagner. They assured Najomian that a portion of the festival's revenue would go towards city projects. Councilwoman Alley expressed concerns about the festival's impact on her efforts to secure a long-term lease for the Mullet Festival grounds from the Air Force. She hopes to use the land for a sports facility and capital improvements. McKinnon indicated his willingness to work on a year-to-year lease for the festival grounds. McKinnon indicated his willingness to work a year-to-year lease for the festival grounds and move the festival as necessary. In the end, Councilman Najomian invited McKinnon and Wagner to return in November with a more detailed financial model and a plan for the festival, promising to address all concerns. They agreed to meet with individual city council members and present a more comprehensive proposal at the next council meeting on November the 14th. The discussion will continue and the festival's potential return remains uncertain. A vacant building on Bayshore Drive in Niceville is being considered for redevelopment as an event center. The structure, originally a warehouse from the 1940s and previously used as a bar, has the potential to serve as a gathering place for community events, including fireworks displays on the 4th of July. Amanda Grandy, a local realtor, sees this project as a crucial element in the city's vision of creating a walkable downtown area that would bring people together, boost the local economy, and provide a unifying factor for the city. Despite initial hopes of restoring the existing building, the cost estimates for a full restoration exceeded more than a million bucks, leading to the conclusion that building a new structure would be way more cost-effective. 
This new building is expected to be energy efficient, accessible to people with disabilities, and attractive to a wide range of users, making it a valuable addition to the city's infrastructure. The city of Niceville aims to redevelop the Bayshore Drive area, creating a pedestrian-friendly downtown with shops, restaurants, and an event center. This plan aligns with that desire to provide the local community with the space for gathering, celebrations, and events. Avcon, a consulting firm, is currently involved in the planning process for this downtown revitalization. The plan includes retail space on the ground floors of buildings and the potential for office and residential spaces on higher floors with a focus on attracting desirable businesses to the area. While the concept is still being refined, the city intends to proceed with caution, considering the preservation of old oak trees and avoiding disruptions to utility infrastructure. The development is part of the city's broader efforts to create a vibrant and attractive downtown with the hope of attracting residents and visitors to this reimagined area. Okaloosa Technical College is seeking about $8.35 million in funding from Triumph Gold Coast to expand its educational programs by establishing a new campus in the northern part of Okaloosa County, specifically Crestview. This expansion aims to address the needs of local industries by offering a broader range of courses and certifications to students, aligning education with the demands of the regional job market here. The new campus, planned for the Okaloosa Industrial Air Park near Crestview's Bob Sykes Airport and Northwest Florida State College's Airframe and Power Plant School, would expand and enhance the career and technical education for residents in the northern part of our county and benefit Crestview, Laurel Hill, Baker, and even parts of rural lower Alabama. The funding request from Triumph Gulf Coast will cover really various aspects of the project, including property acquisition, renovation of buildings, equipment, supplies, curriculum, and certification programs for the next seven years. OTC will also receive financial support from other sources like grants, donations, and contributions from organizations like the Florida Department of Education, the Okaloosa County School Board, and various other grant programs. The expansion will focus on training students in high-demand fields like manufacturing, advanced manufacturing, I'm not really sure what the difference is, welding, electronics, construction design, semiconductor creation, and cybersecurity. Additionally, OTC aims to provide the students with industry certs, making them more competitive on the job market. Over seven years, the project anticipates over 1,000 students earning more than 4,000 certifications in various programs. The timeline for the expansion is ambitious, with plans to commence immediately upon receiving that grant. Within a year, they aim to enroll about 150 students in various programs, and the full expansion will be completed within two years of receiving those grant funds. This initiative aligns with the growth areas of North Okaloosa County, including regions targeted for manufacturing development. It aims to bring higher skilled workers into the local job market, simulate economic development, and facilitate collaboration between the college and local industries. The project will provide valuable opportunities for students and contribute to the workforce needs of the community. The next step for the school district in Okaloosa Technical College involved preparing a presentation for the Triumph Gulf Coast Board after gaining that approval that they got this week from the school district. The requested funds, part of a settlement between the state of Florida and BP, allocated for initiatives related to that Deepwater Horizon oil spill that took place in 2010, are going to play a crucial role in making this expansion reality, considering the total budget for this thing is about $20 million. Triumph Gulf Coast, of course, is responsible for distributing over $1.5 billion to projects in the eight coastal western panhandle counties in Florida that were disproportionately affected by the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. 
And big news from Impact 100 of Northwest Florida. They're set to hand out about $400,000 in grants to local nonprofits at their annual meeting on November the 5th. Nine organizations are in the running, and they'll be giving short presentations to Impact 100 members to hopefully secure the bag. Those members will decide which four will receive that, those $100,000 grants to supercharge their projects. Only one is a mid-Bay Area nonprofit, the Heritage Museum of Northwest Florida. It's a museum dedicated to preserving our past through displays, exhibits, storytelling, reenactors, and more. The Niceville Eagles celebrated a triumphant homecoming, dominating the Leon Lions in a football game that ended with a basketball score, on one side at least. 62-7 was the final. More than half of those points were scored in the first quarter alone. The Eagles went into halftime with a running clock and a 55-point lead on the Lions. The night kicked off with a spirited homecoming parade featuring the school's principal and homecoming court and fancy cars, along with students from various clubs showcasing handmade banners. The Eagleheads dance team wowed the crowd, and the Opus One Choir delivered a beautiful national anthem. The halftime ceremony crowned Gavin Beauchamp and Haley Stillings as the 2023 homecoming king and queen. Both have impressive resumes and a lot of community involvement. Principal Charlie Morello expressed his pride in the Eagles' victory, reflecting on his dream job as the head of Niceville High School. And you can read more about that at midbaynews.com. The Eagles will travel to Lynn Haven on Friday to take on the Mosley Dolphins. The Dolphins are 5-3 and three and boast one of the weirdest records in football. The Dolphins lost a nail-biter to the Leon Lions 26-23, but posted a dominant victory on October 13th against the Crestview Bulldogs, beating them 35 to nothing. The Eagles also defeated the Bulldogs earlier this season, but by a less dominant 42-21 score. So, interesting game coming up this Friday. Have you signed up for the Mid-Bay newsletter yet? Get Niceville's and Valparaiso's number one weekly newsletter and get the information about your community that you've been missing out on. Check it out, midbaynews.com slash newsletter. Sign up today. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for sticking around for the interview. This week, we're talking to head coach Steve DeMeo. He's the head coach of the Northwest Florida State College men's basketball team, which, if you've been paying any attention to any sports anywhere near here recently, has been a pretty good squad. And so, uh, Coach, you've been, you've been largely responsible for the vast majority of success at Northwest Florida State College's men's basketball team over the last 10 years. Uh, tell me, what do we got in store this year? Is it going to be another good year? Oh, absolutely. We got a good group of guys. Um, you know, the, the landscape of college basketball has definitely changed with the transfer portal and a bunch of things. But um, we've got a deeper team than we've ever had. Um, we might, might not have the elite level talent at the top, but we've got 14 guys all on our roster who could play potentially Division One basketball, and they're all good kids. And, and, and with a younger group than we've had last year as well. Um, last year, you know, obviously had a hell of a year finished the national championship team, but this group is, is, is a little more locked in with, um, you know, with, with taking care of their sponsors on a daily basis and just love, love the fact that uh, they really, really care about each other. So with, you know, state college basketball, you have fast turnover with your guys, but now you have 14 guys on the bench to play basketball. What, what would change this year? Uh, from last year's team, what kind of style changes do you think in Yeah, no, I, I think last year we played off tempo a little bit, but like we played more tempo in the first place. Um, so actually, that's a lot of tempo you guys might have done some more down. This year I wanted to be kind of a weapon more attacking people. We were really good at last year. Guys, last year's group was phenomenal. We were great communicators on the defensive end. We were still about to improve on the defensive end. We were able to have more body movement. 
parents watching this, I'm sure they're like, man, it's funny because we have people coming to our practice all the time and like, your parents come and we got some kids that work out after us in the gym and they're like, no, we have a lot of time to tell that guy, but our kids don't talk, you know, they all listen and I don't know if they can tell maybe it's just part of the whole COVID deal, but um, we work on every day from the kitchen and Florida basketball, we share the ball. I mean, and actually, we have a lot of Division One coaches that call me regularly. They've watched us play in a couple of jamborees, and you know, they were like, if anyone watches us, they know we share the basketball. We're unselfish, you know, a la the Warriors. Um, they're going to see an exciting brand of basketball. They're going to see guys on the bench that are in, into the game. They're communicating with each other on the on the bench a little bit, a little better than they do on the court, but. Um, just a fun group of guys to be around and, and guys who can make threes and pass the ball and pretty good athletes as well. So yeah. for people that love watching college basketball, um, where, where did you see last year's team, uh, players from last year's team go so they can kind sure. of figure out the kind of quality yeah. you're working with here? Oh yeah, so Chad Baker's at Auburn, Casey Pryor went to South Florida, um, Taryn Todd is at Arkansas State, um, Takai Simpkins, who's Twin brothers with us this year, playing for us this year as a freshman. He's at Elon. Um, Lindenwood has Jalen McDaniel. Um, who am I missing? I'm missing one or two guys. Uh, yeah, we, we, a couple guys. One guy transferred to JUCO in at North, uh, Northeast Oklahoma. But like you know, we 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 had sent seven guys to Division One last year, and and it's it's been a it's been a fun ride for us. This is my eighth season here, starting my eighth season, and. You know, we send an average of seven guys Division One every season, and they play at pretty high levels. Obviously, Chris Duarte's trophy's right up there. National Player of the Year, he played for Oregon, now plays with the Kings. And Xavier Moon played for us, um, went to Moorhead State from here, and then now he's with the Clippers in the G League in a two-way deal and played with the Clippers team last year. So we have a lot of guys that have success and move on, and a lot of guys have played overseas, a lot of guys starting businesses. So we do think we help these guys improve their lives, and that's really our mission, give people sometimes second chances and you know, get them heading in the right direction. And that's that's the mission of a junior college, is to help people improve their lives. What is the, um, what's the first game you guys have? And what's the kind of the early schedule sure. poster game that you're looking at? You know, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, November 1st is our opening night against Southern University, Southern Union from uh, Alabama. Mm -hmm. And then we have a tournament the next uh, two days later, which is third and fourth. We've got uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast and we have East Mississippi Community College, and then uh, the next weekend we have some games, and we have Indian Hills as a nationally ranked program that come here on November 14th. So if you want to say you circle on a game, they circle that one. But like every game is important, and we could lose every game. We almost lost a lot of games last year that we won just because of some depth issues and some injuries and some issues we dealt with. And we're dealing with a lot of injuries now. We have three guys who out of our 14 who haven't practiced in a little while because of some certain things. So. And then we've got some guys with six. Like, but every game is important for us for our growth and development. You can't take anyone lightly. You cannot. I mean, you know, we played six Jamboree games, three the first week in November, three the second week. And most of them were close. Most of them were like one or two possession games. And like, I know we're going to start having some separation. We're going to get better. But like, 
we got to continue to to do that, and 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 and, know, and that's why we play these games to get better through the long run. Anything else that I need to ask you? I should have asked you. Yeah, no, I, I, we we need we need you, the fans to come out and support us because I think it's it's a first of all it's a it's an incredible bargain if they join the Raider Club. It's like a three hundred dollars for a family pass, a four they could see the women's team, the men's team, the softball team, the baseball team all year round, and they're up and close with athletes. They're going to be on national TV on a regular basis. Some of our games are going to be on ESPN U or ESPN Two or ESPN Three this year as well. So they're going to be seeing some high quality athletes that represent the community well and and have fun. Do you know uh, the website name to go get a Raider Pass? Absolutely. On uh, Northwest Florida, nwfraiders.com. Perfect. nwfraiders.com. And, you know, once you join that, you know, they have access to coming to some practices and things of that nature. And, and our players are unbelievably engaging. I mean, um, it's, it, they, when we have people come to practice, they have to practice. We have let our players engage with the guys. The kids come on the court and shoot shots. And it's, this group is special. It really is. So that, that's, that would be my takeaway. I know it's a message to everyone to come to watch our guys play. Who's the best player with kids, and who's the ladies' man on the team? The best player with kids, uh, Jaquay Schuler. He's a seven-footer. Um, he grabbed, actually, one of, someone who worked on campus, that kid came to practice, he's like 10 years old, and he picked him up and let him dunk, and, and everyone's cheering and stuff. Yeah, he, that, absolutely. Um, I can't answer that next one, only because I might offend a couple guys, but, uh, but a lot of our guys uh, do well socially, and, and they're really engaging, and they're, they're, for me, the best part of it is how they treat people, and, and they do treat people the right way. Perfect. All right, Coach. Well, Coach Steve DeMeo, come see him start November the 1st is the first game, just a couple couple days away when this episode airs. So we're excited to watch you and uh, see you guys succeed this year. Thanks again for your time, Coach. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. MidBay News is written and produced by me, Christopher Saul, for MidBay News and Abstract Creative Communications. If you haven't yet, please consider liking and reviewing our podcast. It helps us get the word out about it so more people can get informed. Got a question, comment, or concern? Or do you have a story idea? Shoot me an email at Christopher at MidBayNews.com. I love to hear from y'all, and that's honestly where we get a bunch of our story ideas here anyway. See you next week.